The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Well, do you know the truth about what's coming soon? And are you ready for it? And with whatever is coming soon, right? We think about like the end times. Uh, are we living in the end times? If we think, do we know the truth about what's coming and why does that matter to us personally? Meaning, how does whatever's happening in the world around us and the truth about what's happening, how does it affect us personally? You know, like, does it make any difference in our life? And when we look at the world we're living in, it does feel like we're living in the end times. Like, I hear a lot of talk about that. Like, man, are, are we living in the end times? Is, are, we, are we approaching the end of the world as we know it. So there's an obvious answer that, yes, of course, no matter when the end is, we're getting closer to it. But what people really mean is, uh, could it happen in our lifetime? So I'm curious, for you personally, would it change how you live if you knew that the end of the world as we know it was gonna happen in your lifetime? How would that change the way you live. Like if you, if you really thought, man, like how, much ever, how many ever years you think you have left, right? Maybe, maybe you think you've got 15 years left. So the end of the world, as we know, it's gonna come, is gonna happen within the next 15 years. Or maybe you're, you know, you're really young and you think, hey, I got 80 years. But somewhere toward the end of those 80 years, the end of the world as we know it is gonna happen. I would imagine for a lot of you, you feel like probably that's the case that the end of the world could happen within the next, you know, this lifetime. So if you pause, you go, how would that change how I live if I thought that the end of the world as we know it was gonna happen within, say, like the next 50 years? Here's what I know. Whether the end of the world happens within the next 50 years and whether you are living in the end times, here's what I know. You are living in your end times. That you can absolutely be certain of, right? The truth is you are getting closer and closer every moment of every day to your end times. And so maybe, maybe just take a note of that, right? Like right off the bat, like that should be a profound thought that while we're not entirely certain of when the end times of the world is gonna happen, what I absolutely know is I'm living in my end times. And you know, when we think about the end of the world as we know it, the culture that we live in, the reason why we feel like, you know, the world is coming closer and closer to the end is how crazy things are, right? Wars and rumors of war, pan, a global pandemic, you know, the fear of nuclear holocaust, economies rising and crashing and again, all kinds of craziness, right? And then if you look more closely at even our American culture, right, there's something really unique and distinct about the kind of the era that we're living in right now that we can't even agree on the most simple things, right? Like where things are so divided, so partisan, people are so angry and raging at each other that there is almost no agreement even on the meaning of words. So if we can't agree on the most basic meaning of words, then obviously we're not agreeing on what is just or unjust. 
what is right or wrong. And so what we do is we landed in this spot where there's this myth. This is important. There's a myth that people have believed that says, if you love me, you must agree with me and you must support what I support. If you don't agree with me and support the things that matter most to me, then you must hate me and you are against me. And so we've removed the space to disagree without hating or to agree, right? Like, like meaning I can, I can not agree with you, but not hate you. And I can love you, but still disagree with you. Okay. And so as a result of that, we've gotten ourselves trapped in this thought of like, you know, if you're, if you don't support everything I think, right? If you don't agree with everything that I believe, you're against me. And so we have like this thought in, the, in America today that like the only thing we don't tolerate is intolerance of me, right? You have to not only tolerate me, but you have to agree with me. And so my conviction is that you can't have any convictions that go against my convictions, right? I know that was like a drawn out thing, but here is what we know. As at some point, the world will end and we, every one of us, um, we will experience something after the end of the world. Now, it could be that for us, our world will come to an end. Me, I'm living in my own end times. Whether it's your end times or the end of the world as we know it, something will come next. So what is that next? Well, what we know is that we will be judged. In fact, Jesus, as he was preparing for his end, he anticipated his death, his crucifixion. And so as he's preparing for his own death that he foretold, he began to do a, lot, a, a very specific teaching around the idea of the end, the end times, the end of the world, what is happening and what comes next, what's coming soon. So he's telling the truth about what was coming. And as he does that, he, he shares about this idea of judgment. It's found in Matthew chapter 25, and I'm gonna read in verse 31. And he's using a metaphor, but, but the metaphor, this isn't just a story. It's, it's purely a metaphor to help us understand what's happening. He said, when the son of man comes in his glory and all of the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all of the nations will be gathered to him and he will separate the people one from the other as a shepherd. So this is the metaphor, right? So far, it's literal. Then he shifts into a metaphor. He goes, as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And what Jesus is driving at, right, this, this teaching is, is from the eyewitness account of Matthew, who is recording the words, the life, the teachings of Jesus, and he, he captures that for us as Jesus is approaching his end times, right? As Jesus is approaching the cross, he's teaching his followers and us today about how we live. And he's saying, you are living in your end times. And at the end of time, Jesus, he said, Jesus, the son of man will come and he will divide the sheep from the goats. Again, a metaphor for the, the wicked and the righteous. 
He'll divide them to the right and to the left. That's not a political statement. Um, in this time, he was saying the, the right was symbolic of blessing and favor and authority. And the left, judgment, cursing. And so the key is this. Why, why does this matter today? How does this affect you? Meaning, regardless of what the truth is about what's happening at the end of times, you and I are living in our end times. And so why does this teaching matter to us today? Well, it's this, live right so that you're always ready for the end. Live right so that you are always ready for the end. Jesus explained that whether it's your end or the end of the world as we know it, there is gonna be a great judgment. God, the ultimate judge, will judge us, not by the standards of our culture, not by the standards of the world that we live in, not by our own standards, meaning we don't get to set the bar of the rules by which we will be judged. Those are already set. Our challenge is, are we living right so that we're ready for our end or for the end? In fact, really, over and over and over throughout the New Testament of the Bible, there is this theme about a coming judgment. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, the apostle Paul is writing to the church in the city of Corinth, and he says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so there's this idea of judgment. We're all, one, a day is coming when we all no longer be living here, but we will be standing before a judge and we will have to give an account for the life that we live. And in this moment, what he is saying is that there is a judgment and, and the word he uses there for the judgment seat is this ancient term uh, called bima. And it is a, a place that someone would go to, it's, it's a throne that a king would sit on where he would give rewards. And we said, so he said, every one of us who believe in Jesus will, one day will go before the throne of God, the bema seat of Christ, where we will be judged and be given rewards based on how we live. But that is different from another judgment where in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, he's writing about this, this judgment where he says, there are people that will not live right. And he said, then he will, so this is from that verse 41 where he says, then he will send those on his left away. Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And this is referring uh, similarly to in the book of Revelation where he calls it the great white throne. It's this, picture, again, it's a metaphor of in the end time, at the end, that there will be a whole other group of people that will go before Jesus and they will be judged. And the great white throne is the place where the, the, book, of, the book of life will be opened. And every person who believes in Jesus by faith, their name will be written in that book, the book of life. And if, and if someone's name is not in that book of life, then Jesus will turn to them and say, depart from me, you who are wicked into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And it's hard to actually even say that. And I would imagine you hearing this, whether you're joining us at one of our campuses, you're joining us online, it, like this is a moment where you almost wanna, you wanna like tune out or turn it off. Can I ask you, just stay with me for a moment here. 
because you're living in your end times. And if what I'm saying is true, then the real question is, am I ready for my judgment? Look, the truth is that you and I know that there is judgment coming. Every aspect of our life is judged, right? Like, I mean, isn't that what school is? You're being judged on your capacity to learn information. I mean, isn't that what every quiz and every test is? Isn't that what a workplace evaluation is, a performance review is? You're being judged on your performance. You're being evaluated on your work, your work skills, your work performance. So much about our life, we are being measured, evaluated, and judged. So to think that we're gonna go through our entire life, get to the end of it, and not face some evaluation, some judgment, seems paradoxical or illogical to the way we live. Everything else we experience. The reality is that at the end, you and I will be judged. Some will be judged toward a reward and others toward destruction. So what separates the two? How do you separate the judgment So here's what I want you to know. What separates you and I when we are judged is simply this. Did you and I believe in Jesus Christ by faith? So why, why should I believe in Jesus by faith? Because I recognize and you recognize that every one of us, when we are judged, we're gonna be found wanting. We're not gonna be enough. We're not gonna be good enough. And that sounds terrible to hear, but the reason is because every one of us have a curse inside of us called sin, which separates us from relationship with God, which causes us to live a life not only separated from God, but doing the things that are wrong and contrary to God that brings judgment. We sin. We break the the perfect command and law of God. God is a perfect God with perfect standards. His judgments are perfect, true, and always right. And every one of us know that we are not good enough. I have not lived right enough. I have not done what's right enough. I have messed up. I have violated the law. One of the ways I've tried to illustrate this um, is to say this, right? Like if you look at your life, you're like, well, I'm good enough. Imagine getting a pitcher full of water. I mean, spring fresh water. And you're gonna, you're, you're, it's a hot day. You wanna, you wanna get a refreshing drink of that water. And, it, and it's, it's pure, except there's just one piece of poo in it. I, I always wanna work that word into my summer right? for my boys' sake, right? So that, that was just for my boys. Uh, but there, there's just a little piece of poop in that water. I mean, just a tiny bit. Like, is that water pure enough, right? Here's what you and I immediately know. It's not how good the rest of the water is. It's the fact that there's one tiny bit of impurity that ruins the whole thing. Nobody wants to drink it. That's you and I. It doesn't take a whole bunch to corrupt the good. It takes just one tiny little bit of sin that then sets us up for an eternal judgment far from God, where we would hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, into eternal fire, right? And so I go, I don't, I don't wanna spend my life like that. How is it possible that I am not good enough? I, I love this quote from Tim Keller where he says, every one of us are far worse than we could ever imagine and far more loved than we could dare to dream. Here is the beauty of the message of Jesus. Because some of you, when you hear this, you're thinking like, man, that's so harsh. 
to say that we're all gonna be judged and we're all gonna be found wanting. Yes, because here's the message of Christianity, the message of Jesus, that every single one of us are not good enough. It's not because you have some particular sin that makes you not good enough. It's that every one of us have sinned. None of us are good enough. We all have a little speck of poo inside of us that corrupts the purity of God's love inside of our lives. And so every one of us deserve judgment. Every one of us are not good enough. And so what did Jesus do? He loved us. He loved us in spite of everything wrong with us. And he came to take on our judgment. That's right. The message of Jesus is this. He says, when the son of man comes, he will separate us. What separates us? whether we believed in and accepted Jesus or not. So why would I accept Jesus? Because I know that the whole mission of Jesus was to come from heaven to earth to take on our judgment. I deserve to be judged. I deserve to be sentenced to forever death. So Jesus came and took my judgment on himself he absorbed my eternal death sentence. All of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the garbage that you and I carry, all of the impurities that have infected and affected my life and corrupted me. He took all of that on himself. He died in my place and he died in yours. Why? Because you and I, every one of us are far worse than we could dare to imagine. But we are far more loved than we could ever dare to believe. God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're carrying, God loves you. God is for you. And he is inviting you to believe in him by faith. And so can I encourage you? I just want to, I almost want to pause the flow of this message and say, wait, before we go any further, are you ready to face your judgment? You don't have to be scared of the judgment. You can go into it excited, ready to receive a reward rather than fear destruction simply because you believed in Jesus by faith. And so can I encourage you, would you take a moment right now, examine your heart and say, am I ready to meet God? Is there anything getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus? I wanna be ready. And if right now you know that you're not ready to be judged, you're not ready for that judgment moment, can I encourage you? to say yes to Jesus by faith, that's it. That's all you can do is believe in Jesus by faith. And if you're making that commitment right now, would you let us know? And that's it. It's, you're making a commitment. You're saying yes to Jesus by faith. And if that's where you're at, let us know. Text the name Jesus to 81411. And when you're saying yes to Jesus, we're celebrating that with you. We wanna follow up with you and give you some resources as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. So you've said yes to Jesus. Well, what, what does that mean? Here's what, I want, here's what I want you to know, especially in a culture that is consistently saying, if you love me, you must agree with me and you must support everything that I believe, right? The message of the gospel is this. Every one of us are far worse than we could imagine far more loved than we could dare to believe, right? And so the message of Christianity is this. We, we don't have to agree with your lifestyle. We don't have to agree with your decision because we know that every one of us have wrong inside of us. Every one of us have sin in our hearts that's corrupting us and corrupting our desires. So I don't assume that your desires are good and your desires are best and your desires are right. I don't agree with that. What I do recognize is that every one of us have corrupted desires that will be judged 
But as a church, because of the message of Jesus, we acknowledge that yes, we're all far worse than we could ever imagine, but far more loved by God than we could dare to dream, right? God loves you, God is for you, he rescues you. Every one of us are a rescue story. And so here's what that means for your life. You are right and ready when you believe in Jesus by faith. You are right and you are ready when you believe in Jesus by faith. And my challenge to you was live right and ready for your end time, right? You're living in your end time. So you, you and I need to live right and ready for our judgment, for our end. And so you are right and ready when you believe in Jesus by faith. Um, a day's gonna come when I'm gonna be judged on whether or not I simply believe in Jesus by faith. Now, what happens is this. When I believe in Jesus by faith, all of the corruption in me is removed. In the book of Psalms, the author writes that my sins are removed as far as the east is from the west, right? It's, again, it's a metaphor. So if you, if you travel east continuously, at what point do you catch up to the west? You don't, right? If you're going in a direction, you're always going east. You're never gonna start going west. And that's the point, that it's, a, it's about the direction of your soul, that when God removes our sin, it leads us in a direction where we never re-encounter our sin judgment, we are set on a course of life, new life. And so we are made right by God. And when I'm made right by God, I begin to live right. And in living right, I'm ready. Here's what I want you to hear. Right living comes from being made right by Jesus. When I'm made right by Jesus, it begins to change how I live. Why? Because Jesus changes my attitude and my attitude affects my action. Jesus changes my convictions and my convictions shape my compassion. See, what I believe shapes my behavior. And that's where the rest of this story continues. So let me jump in to Matthew chapter 25 because really he's talking about behaviors. But the key here is this, behaviors shaped by beliefs. So let's read this story. Then the king will come and say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. He's saying there's a reward waiting for you. This is a, this is a judgment of joy and celebration. All of this has been prepared for you and waiting for you. Since the, since the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. What, what was his point? His point was that your beliefs shape your behaviors, but our behaviors will be evaluated and measured in the judgment. Are your behaviors matching your beliefs? Does the compassion coming out of you match the conviction in you? Because conviction should stir compassion when it's driven by the Christian faith. But here's what we know. Not just I am ready when I believe in Jesus by, by faith, but am I living out the behaviors of my beliefs? And so I wanna make sure that I'm regularly living them out. I'm living right. I'm not waiting for the moment when I predict my own death and I go, okay, now I'm gonna get ready. Now I'm gonna get right with God. No, no, no. This is about living a 
living right, letting my beliefs shape my behaviors. And so, and why is that important? Because there's this theme in Jesus' teaching as he approaches his own death, where he says this. I'm gonna read a couple verses quickly to you. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. And then and if you jump down to uh, 25, verse 13, goes, therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour when this is happening. And then in the story he tells, he goes like this, he tells a story about workers who are working while their, mass, while their employer is away, but they don't know when he comes. And then the story, he goes like this, after a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle the accounts with him. And there's this feeling of like, he, he returned at a moment when they weren't expecting him. What's the point? Always be ready. Always be ready. Always be ready for your end. Am I saying this for, to provoke fear? Not at all. I'm saying this to say always live ready, which means always living um, in right relationship with God. Always living not driven by fear, but love, right? Like I, I, I grew up kind of with this fear of like, oh no, what if Jesus comes back and I'm doing the wrong thing in this moment? I, I'm not saying this so that you live in fear, as if like your, your relationship with God is an on-off switch that at any moment, if you're doing the wrong thing, it's off. And if you're doing the right thing, it's on. No, 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 God, God's not fickle with you. He loves you and he wants to spend eternity with you. In fact, he loved you so much and wanted to spend eternity with you so much that Jesus was willing to come and die to rescue you. You're a rescue story. But what he, what he does want is that our behaviors on a daily basis match our beliefs so that we're always living ready. We're always living right in relationship with God so that, so that there isn't a rift between us and God. So what, is it, what does it look like to make sure that I'm not just living ready, but I'm living right, that my behaviors match my beliefs? Well, I'm gonna jump back into this story and just kind of give you a quick, um, a couple key thoughts on this. Let me, let me read a um, little bit more of this story to you. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed. Now, I read, I read this to you, so let me just kind of quickly fly over it again. Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared, for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to me. And it says this, that the righteous will say to, the righteous will answer him, Lord, when? Like, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean we cared for you when you were a stranger or we fed you when you were hungry? or we gave you something to drink when you're thirsty. And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. I mean, when you were loving your child, when you were caring about the weak and the innocent, the vulnerable, when you were feeding someone who had nothing, you were doing it for me, you were ready. Your beliefs shaped your behaviors and that demonstrated that you were ready for eternity. And then he shifts his gears. He goes like this. The king will reply, truly I tell you. Um, actually, let me, hang on. He said, um, I just lost my place. Let me find this here. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed in eternal fire, prepared for the devil 
and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and, and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry or thirsty? And didn't take care of you. When, when did we see you without clothes and not clothe? You were sick and in prison and did not look after you. He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of these, the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The key here is this, live right by doing right. When the righteousness of Jesus is in you, you begin to live right. And when you're living right, you do right. It's not that you're earning heaven by doing what's right. It's that you're doing right because you already have heaven in you. You get it? Like what's in you is coming out of you. What fills, spills. I say it so often because I feel like it's such a central truth to the Christian faith and to the way we live. See, when heaven is in you, heaven spills out of you. When, when you love Jesus, love pours out of you. When you know that God has rescued you, you live the rescue story and you are living to rescue others. See, when, when the love of Jesus is in you, you feed the hungry and clothe the naked and give drinks to, drink to the thirsty. You visit those who are sick and in prison. Like, like you do right things. So you live right by doing right. And you don't have to do it alone, but your life is unique and distinct and different from the way the rest of the world lives, right? Every single person you interact with is preparing for judgment or they are going to face judgment unprepared. So don't look around at what everyone else is doing. Don't look around and, and think to yourself, well, I'm good enough by the judgment of the world. I, they're not gonna cancel me today. I don't care if the rest of the world's gonna cancel you. It's whether you're ready to be evaluated by the perfect standard of a perfect God. And none of us are good enough. And so the only way we're ready is through faith in Jesus Christ. And when I believe in Jesus by faith, he shapes my heart. He makes me right. And when I am made right, I begin to live right. And I begin to do right. Not perfect, but ready. And we don't do this alone. In fact, one of the most powerful things you can do is get around others who love Jesus, who have who have been made right, are being made right, are wanting to live right and do right, right? Because we inspire each other and support each other, especially on a weekend like this where we're celebrating group launch and we're encouraging people to get connected into a group where you're better together, where circles are better than rows, right? Like not just, uh, not just joining a gathering, but getting into a group where there's accountability and care and support, where you can encourage and cheer each other on, but also challenge each other and hold each other accountable. Look, here's what I know, that every one of us will stand before God and give an account for how we lived. Whether we are living in the end times, I know this, you are living in your end times. Are you ready? for what's coming soon. The way you and I are ready is by living right in relationship with Jesus. And when we live right, we do what's right. Can I encourage you? Just take a moment. I wanna pray for you. 
wanna pray with you. But I also want you to examine your own heart. Is there anything getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus? Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you refused to let us face judgment without you. So you took on all of our judgment so that now when we believe in you by faith, we don't have to fear judgment. We know that when we are judged, we are, what you're gonna find is gold faith in Jesus. And because of our faith in Jesus, we are faithful to the work of God because we've been made right by Jesus. We're going to live right and do right. And what you're going to see when you evaluate us and judge us is the good things that came from you that work through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.